no, I think it gives high hopes for for more adaptations down the down the line. I think we're finally past that Super Mario Brothers like niche. Ooh. You, know? <laughs> you knew that was coming. Uh-huh. Double Dragon oh, yeah. was, was adapted. Double Dragon was that was really. But I think story based. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight for Guardians MH Podcast. We are kicking off 2020 with episode one on season three. It's hard to believe it's actually three seasons. I know. It's us recording. It's so long. I know. It's insane. It does not feel like it's been that long. With us tonight, I'm one of your hosts, Joe, commonly known as Average Joe, because I am pretty average. Also with us tonight is Dr. Goku. Hey, everyone. And we have Nate. Hi. And we have Alan. Hey, what's up? Nate and Alan are two uh, mods and great contributors and uh, peer support like specialists in our Discord servers and on social medias. Uh, they are fantastic, and we are so glad to have them with us, uh, chatting with us tonight and joining the conversation. And we are not alone tonight. Tonight, we are joined by a fantastic guest, the one and only Gamer Doc. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks. That's a that's true. There is only one of me, so that wasn't an incorrect introduction. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that, though. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. Uh, it's such an honor to have you on. Big fan of your videos and what you do. And in case people aren't familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I would love to. So uh, I run an esports health and wellness brand called Gamer Doc. Uh, in my the rest of my life, I'm a medical doctor. I treat patients with wrist injuries, brain injuries, musculoskeletal injuries, and uh, other types of pain. But then, you know, I'm also a huge gamer, and it people just started building up and building up. All my friends were asking me questions about what's wrong with my wrist, what's wrong with my thumb. You know, while we're online <laughs> trying to play video games, and it finally got to the point where I I was just like, all right, if no one else is going to do this, I'm going to do this because I can't tell them to go to their doctor. I can't tell them to look up YouTube videos on this. So I was like, I'll just do it myself. So formed GamerDoc about a year and a half ago. um, And we're trying to help everyone from your casual gamer to your pro gamer to game healthier. That's fantastic. (laughs) And it's so needed in the gaming community because, um, like we found uh, with the nonprofit, not everybody knows where to go for information and resources. So it's great to have those resources and provide something that is so needed throughout the gaming community as a whole. One thing a lot of people don't really take in consideration is how important ergonomics are for either mouse and keyboard or controllers, or at the least your chair. All of those, all of those are tools that are at your disposal, but that can also be a detriment to either how you play or to your own physical health. Yeah, you're, you're really right. All of the tools that we use to game in our daily life, uh, you know, you buy a $300 gaming chair because you, you know, heard that you need lumbar support, but then the chair is the wrong height or you're not using it correctly. So it's, it definitely 
you can spend a lot of money on your stuff, but unless you set it up ergonomically, like you said, it could be a detriment. Or a lot of people don't want to spend that type of money on peripherals or a chair. I know a lot of people that I know saying, oh, $100 for a chair, that's too expensive. Yeah, I'm sitting but, in an Ikea uh, chair right now. <laughs> everybody goes to Ikea. I've still never been to one. What? I actually went I last know. week. We actually made a, a run to Ikea because the closest one's like three hours away. Yeah, I got I got a buddy that games on a yoga ball now. Hey, that's different. Sounds that's like you would get injured in like heated moments. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, I got him, and then smash head Bounce. straight into the... <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, if, when he does that, make sure you have him contact me so I can write that up as a case. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're film it at least. Yeah. Film it. Oh my gosh. Just clip it while they're streaming. Just get right. them to stream. Clip, and clip it in chat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back to gaming. What sort of games do you play? Uh, so I've always been in my adult life, mostly an Xbox gamer and I'm into like the FPS games uh, always played whatever iteration of Call of Duty is out at the time. But, you know, loud and proud, I play Fortnite. And really? I like it. But uh, the past three days, <coughs> I've been kind of sick. So I've been cutting back on my um, clinic hours. And I think I've played like 30 hours of League of Legends in the past Oh, week. my gosh. The past week. That's a game I've always been interested in trying. Yeah, I just tried it out like three days ago. So it's okay. It's been really fun. That's awesome. I've kind of been away of the a lot of the MOBAs, mm-hmm. and it's I haven't huge. really t- dabbled into into those ones. But I know MOBAs are huge in in Korea. Yeah, and in China, like the league play, league play in China actually is is gin- gigantic. But they've had to suspend it because of coronavirus. But indefinitely uh but league League, dota great game what's the other one i know there's league and dota i think there's another one too right smite no i'm not sure what the other one is Mm. Mm. there used to be paragon and then epic shut it down Mm -hmm. there's a lot oh uh, you know what it was just on the tip of my tongue and i completely forgot what it was (laughs) i know the characters though uh but anyways we could sit on and talk about games all night long and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, why don't we dive into our mental health topic? Goku, you want to take sure. it away? So when me and GamerDot were talking, we had discussed on what the mental health topic could be. And we kind of settled on, uh, or you had mentioned uh, the import- importance of social support and then kind of that self care for sleep hygiene and uh, how it helps for symptoms of anxiety and depression. Uh, one thing I wanted to throw to you, uh, Doc, is in your own practice, uh, how are you seeing that impact uh, in some of your patients or people that you know in general? Well, uh, as I go into the esports world deeper and deeper and the gaming world deeper and deeper, uh, burnout is a huge issue that's addressing a lot of these young athletes. And it's also addressing you're basically everyone in their lives at some degree of time, you're going to have some degree of burnout. And uh, what we found is that people who have um, a richer social support system and are richer uh, kind of netting to fall back on tend to be a little bit more resistant to 
you know, changes in life affecting their mentality. And I was talking about this yesterday, I think. It's the, we were, you know, yesterday was Bell Let's Talk. So every retweet that said that, they were giving five cents um, to Canadian mental health initiatives. And I was, people were talking about their struggles with, with mental health. And I have never really had a struggle with mental health. But that's not because I'm, like, trying harder. It's not because I'm doing something actively. It's because my, like, neurochemistry is just different. Like, I'm more more inclined to be overactive and unable to concentrate. Um, but, but so genetically, you have this nature aspect, but you also have this nurture aspect. Um, environmental factors affecting your mentality, but also social support system because – when you have ups and downs, uh, the people who you can rely on, the people who you can go to at the end of the day, uh, definitely have an impact on burnout and things like that. <clears throat> on burnout, one question I had for you is the clients that I work with, a lot of them have uh, heard or still deal with the stigma of people saying, oh, just try harder or burnout's <laughs> not a real thing. When you look into professional gamers, we often hear that while that's not a real quote unquote job, you can't get burnt out from playing video games. Uh, last year we had Bife uh, on on the show and he talked about when he suffered his burnout of about being a content creator. I don't know if the professional gamers kind of have that t- same type of stigma because it's not typically viewed as a stereotypical job. Yeah, you you definitely hit the nail on the head. There is a culture in in and around the esports industry and the gaming industry. You know, in the in esports industry, the culture of power through, try harder, tough it up. You're not burnt out. You finally made it to this part of your life. Why are you not happy all the time? Keep grinding. Uh, and then outside, people don't believe that esports is a real thing. People don't believe that the esports support industry is a real thing. Like if you don't believe that you can be a professional gamer, how can you believe that they need a physician? So that's definitely the first step. When people don't believe in esports, I just I just show them how much money Ninja made last year. And then I say how much money it, it, did yeah, you make last year? It's surprising how much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it's it you're completely right there needs to be a culture shift inside and outside of esports to address this issue outside of esports a little less in our control. We can just keep explaining things as best as we can, but inside Mm -hmm. of esports shifting that culture and raising awareness that, Hey, if you have a pain in your wrist, go get it checked out. Don't just tough it up. Hey, if you're having unsafe thoughts, don't just suck it up. Don't be a man, Mm -hmm. be a real man, be a real woman and go fix your problems. Go talk to someone. one thing i see with a lot of my clients is that reluctance of what you were talking about of going to seek help uh certainly a lot of my male clients Mm -hmm. uh, a disproportionate amount of them should have come see me or anyone else years upon years earlier Mm -hmm. so i'm seeing them at a very, very, very difficult time in their lives that's requiring that much more effort. And I'm guessing with the esports players, if they're having that pain in their wrist or carpal tunnel, the longer they wait, the more damage it's creating as well. Definitely. 
we so the the type of injuries you're going to get playing video games aren't the same type of injuries you're going to get in traditional sports you're not going to stand up and tear your acl right that's just not it's not happening the things we see are chronic micro traumas so you know there's tiny little tendons and and tiny little muscles in our hands and wrists and their job is to move your index finger or to move your pinky to the side and historically humans have not been meant to move their pinky to the side 600 times per minute. So that's creating these chronic micro traumas in your pinky, these chronic traumas in your wrist. And over time, your tendon is adapting to those changes. So it's, it's changing its architecture. It's changing the inside to accommodate for this. And as it's doing that, it's predisposing itself to injury. It's, it's becoming weaker. It's becoming thinner. It's becoming, you know, have a little bit abnormal. So then you're out with your buddies and you're, and you're bowling and you, you pull your wrist back and you, you know, you bowl your strike or whatever they do in bowling. Cause I like the bumpers, but <laughs> you, they feel a pop or they feel a tear and they say, Oh, I hurt myself playing, you know, bowling, but it's like, no, you, you did years and years and years and years of damage to your hand. And then the bowling was the final thing that pushed it over it the, the side. Catalyst. Right. But if they had gone three weeks, you know, three years ago when they first got a little hint of wrist pain, then that, you know, that acute issue, that bowling injury, hopefully never would have happened. How much of those esport players do you hear about that don't seek out the help that just waited out? Uh, so, uh, one of the new and exciting things, but also frustrating things with, with, uh, esports right now is that there's not a lot of good data out there, uh, because uh, we have a lot of reasons, but, uh, the one, one of the, one of the studies we have is a case series on college esports athletes. And they found that, um, 40% had hand and wrist pain, 50% had eye issues, like 30% had back pain and 3% of them went to the doctor for those issues. Oh, wow. 3%. That's really low. Yeah. We wonder why the like average career span of a esports athlete is three years. It's because of that. Really? It's <laughs> only three years. That's, really? that's what the current numbers say. Wow. Wow. Well, when you think of it, the years and years of dedication that it takes to mm-hmm. reach that level. And then the amount of grinding they do during their career must really play a toll on them. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they they make it to the big leagues. They finally get signed to a team, you know, in order to make it to that level, they have had to be actively gaming with purpose for many years beforehand. It's just like any other professional sport. And how much of them, actually talk about what's going on where it be physically or emotionally? Uh, uh, <laughs> what a good question. It really depends. It depends on the culture of the team you're working with, of uh, where you are. You have teams out there like Complexity uh, in Texas. They're working with some of the best people. Uh, they're working with healthcare professionals almost every day. Um, and then you have different teams who maybe the culture is a little bit more bravado. There's a little bit more suck it up. Uh, I think, you know, the couple orgs out there like that. But 
that's really hard to get into. Uh, and I think also, you know, aside from people not knowing that they should seek out help for their pain, I think sometimes people are afraid. <clears throat> people mm-hmm. are afraid of, you know, someone telling them that hand pain's never going to go away. Right. Which Actually is- finding out something's legit wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that's usually never the case. I, I ne- you know, a 20 year old's never going to come to my clinic and me say, oh, I can't fix you. You know, it's so pe- people are definitely afraid of getting bad news and hearing that their wrist pain is actually something and not just a little pain. Uh, so it definitely depends team to team. Okay. So a lot of thinking of catastrophizing or magnifying mm-hmm. the possibility of what's going to happen. hundred percent. I see that a lot with some of my clients. They're, they're not esports players, but they're afraid of seeking out help and, or people thinking, oh, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. kind of have that negative stigma. Uh, and I'm guessing it's probably the same thing within esports of if they do seek out help, what are the repercussions it may have on their career? Is the team going to drop me as one of the players because I'm dealing with anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people, especially high level athletes, regardless of field worry that if they express anything other than gratitude, uh, then people are going to think they're not thankful for where they are, or they're not excited about the position they're in. Uh, You know, when you, when you're signed onto a team, when you, when you reach, when you go to the next level of whatever, a journey you are in life, there's always going to be a level of uncertainty. There's always going to be a level of, am I good enough for this? Was there a mistake? Are you sure I should be here? Uh, and those, those thoughts can be normal, but also those thoughts can perseverate and worsen. Uh, so talking to someone is so important in that acute phase, but then you get, then you get, they get more concerned that if they say something to someone, then they're going to think that they, don't appreciate where they are or they don't believe in themselves. So it's, it's, it's definitely a delicate dance. Okay. And one thing we know for where it be pro gamers or amateur gamers, like a lot of us here is often they don't typically have the healthiest <laughs> lifestyle in the largest sense of the term, but with the professional gamers, all they do is mainly they, they grind, they game, they practice. So what impact has does that have on their well-being, where it be uh, in terms of sleep, where it be in terms of their diets, where it be in social interactions? So this isn't true for, for all gamers, but it definitely mm-hmm. is true for a majority of them. Um, I think a lot of people who have been drawn to the gaming industry didn't do a lot of high-level traditional sports growing up. Um, we see this a lot. So th- growing up, they were they were the best, you know, Call of Duty players. So they're grinding Call of Duty after school every day with their buddies. They're not, you know, trying out for a basketball or baseball. So a lot of these people have never worked in a controlled athletic environment before. A lot of them have never uh, been to this next level. So as a result, they don't necessarily know uh, how to take advice from an athletic trainer, how to take advice from a physician. And they also haven't been taught like a lot of people are 
the effects of sleep and nutrition on performance. I remember when I, when I was playing college basketball, they had a nutritionist come in and meet with us every week because they wanted us to optimize our diet so that we would play better. That doesn't happen in your after school leagues. And a lot of the times people come in and, you know, sure. Inherently we know exercise is good for us and sure. Inherently we know that eating well is good for us. But a lot of people don't know that exercise boosts your performance on memory tasks, on hand-eye coordination drills, on, you know, all these things that are so integral to gaming. And a lot of people, you know, you know, sleep deprivation is bad for you. We know we should sleep more. But a lot of people don't know the exact data that if you're missing out on sleep, your reaction time is going to be slower. So just kind of that level of education is is one of the first barriers. Um, but like I said, that's not all players. We see some high-class athletes. People, A lot of people who have excelled in traditional sports are coming over from esports too. So it's a little bit different when you have a competitive athletic background behind you because you're kind of familiar with a lot of these uh, yeah. things. With people that are trying to to go pro because those professional gamers, that's what they do with their lives. Mm -hmm. They, they practice and that's their job. The up and comers, they have (laughs) lives outside of, of gaming. What advice would you have for them in terms of taking care of either their physical or mental health? The up and comers. Oof. Yeah. That is that that's, that's the sweet spot. Right. I love the up and comers because once you've already made it, you're not, you know, for a lot of people, you fall, you sit back on your laurels a little bit. Uh, The sweet spot is when people haven't signed to a team yet. They haven't made it to where they want to be because just, just stay hungry. That same mentality, that same desire you have for FaZe Clan to pick you up, use that to advancing your health, advancing your body. Uh, you know, science makes better athletes. There's a reason that the marathon time gets less and less and less and less every year. You know, we, before we didn't know that high altitude training increased your oxygen delivery to your tissues. And now we do. So people do high altitude training. Those concepts exist for esports. So keep your ears open and listen when people want to help and want to, you know, are doing these performance aspect training because there is science. For example, another example, this thing called visual motor training, visual motor coordination. If you are doing some sort of physical activity and you're uh, learning at the same time, you're engaging your brain, then the effects are exponential. Um, and so being able, if you're doing, if you want to grind for your FPS game, do some hand-eye coordination stuff, but at the same time, you know, do something else for your brain, multitask, um, just stay as hungry as you are to join that organization, stay that hungry to improve your play in every single aspect. One thing I I would want to add to that is while staying hungry, also work on taking care of yourself. Yes. Not do 12 hour marathon gaming sessions. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. The health health side too. Definitely. Um, Another, another, you know, on along the same lines, 12 hour gaming sessions aren't good. They're not, they're not going to make you a better player. They're going to affect your physical health. They're going to affect your mental health. 
And then you're not even going to reach the goal that you want to reach. Science tells us that the best amount of time you can train for is around two to three hours before your performance declines. So do your warm-ups, eat your healthy breakfast, go get, get some exercise, sit down, do your two to three half hour, two to three hours of training, and then go do something else with your life and then come back to it. And if you have those, instead of grinding for eight hours, if you do two, two and a half to three hour sessions, your performance is going to be better. Your brain's going to feel better. Your body's going to feel better. I think everybody can relate to that last statement with the sense of you're playing a video game and you're stuck on a board, you're playing a final boss and you're beaten up against that wall. But when you separate yourself from the game for two hours, three hours a night, and you come back to it, as soon as you turn it on, you blow right by that spot. <laughs> yeah, uh, You can, you can see the difference that it makes with disconnecting for just mm-hmm that amount of time will do for your performance in the game when you come back to it. Joe, are you thinking of a specific boss in, in, in gen, in mind? There's like every boss since I was Dark like Souls. 12 years old. <laughs> Actually it wasn't Dark Souls. It was Bloodborne for oh, me. Bloodborne, there was, there was, there was uh, bosses in that, but yes, there are, there are several that come to mind. One thing we see a lot, we see a lot with uh, streamers, a lot of streamers that want to kind of make partner or advance their careers, they'll stream for eight, 12, 15 or more hours in a row and doing it once or twice, not inherently that bad, but doing it all the time has some real life consequences over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I always tell people to stay away from the 24 hour streams, uh, you know, don't stream for that long. It, it might feel, you know, cause definitely viewership on Twitch and viewership on mixer increases with time, right? The longer you're on, the more people are going to tune in, the more viewers you're going to get, the more follows you're going to get, the more subs you're going to get, the more bits you're going to get. But how long do you want to be a streamer for? Do you want to be a streamer for a month? Do you want to be a streamer for one year or do you want to be a streamer for five years? Uh, like, is do you have another career plan plan in time? Because staring at a computer screen for 24 hours for 12 hours a day is terrible for your eyes mm-hmm. and it's terrible mm-hmm. for your brain and it's terrible for your body. It's about longevity. It's about, you know, doing the things that'll keep you around for longest because I don't know about you guys, but like, I like, I like what I do and I don't want to have to stop, uh, you know, streaming and stop making content and stop doing what I'm doing because of an injury or because I'm burnt out or because my eyes are broken. Um, so yeah, no 24 hour streams, none. And I think that can be transposed to life in general because a lot of people tend to work with computers. Kind of yeah. computers are synonymous with most workplaces now. So you're working eight hours a day sitting in front of a computer. Then you go home, you sit in front of a computer for five to six hours, then you go to bed and you end to repeat. There needs to be something more. Definitely. And, you know, making sure that everything's ergonomically set up is, is definitely essential. But even if you're, even if you're in a completely ergonomic setup, if you're doing that for 16 hours a day, it's not, it's not, it's not going to last. Hmm. Certainly. So there's a law of diminishing return, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Not to mention the the amount of sleep that you lose doing that too, because when you get home, 
I like to unwind playing video games, but I asked, I sacrifice sleep to enjoy that during the week, during the work week. So I only get like five and a half hours of sleep. I could feel the impact that it has, like just sleep hygiene that I get the difference between five and a half hours of sleep and eight hours of sleep. It's a, the next day, it's huge difference. I went to bed at like 10 PM Saturday night uh, and got nine hours of sleep. And I just woke up Sunday. Like I I could do anything. Give me, (laughs) I I can do anything. Pull a truck right now. And, And it varies from person to person. So we hear that, Oh, you need eight hours of sleep. The the data shows that it varies between six to ten. True. Some people need six, some people need seven, some people need eight or more. And it varies. And what a lot of people don't necessarily understand is teenagers need more than adults. Teenagers don't function on eight hours of sleep. That's why they sleep ten to twelve or more. Yep. And nope. Don't call out my adolescence. <laughs> like everyone knows I'm a 19 year old. I feel so attacked right now. <laughs> uh, definitely. When, you know, when people are going through that, those growth spurts, when you're 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14, I mean, my, my grandmother always says, my grandmother always says, listen to your body's intelligence. And if you can sleep for 13 hours, you probably need to sleep for 13 hours. That's not a natural thing that your body is, you know, going to do for the rest, the rest of your life. But, you know, their brains are growing and their brains are developing and they're becoming fully grown humans. Uh, and, you know, I, not giving your body rest during that time period, we don't know the long-term consequences of that. And I don't want to find out, to be honest. One thing that happens is, Anxiety can set in, depression mm-hmm. can set in. The more you're sleep deprived, the more those intrusive thoughts can start to seep in. <clears throat> Definitely, and people body- tend to get into negative spirals. Yeah, your body is less resistant to external and internal trauma with sleep deprivation, and you're more likely to get sick as well. Um, more likely to catch a cold. Your stress response is going to be abnormal. All the things you said right there. Yep. Definitely, definitely guilty of that myself, especially with the, uh, you know, I have two girls now that are, that are under three and they're, they're 15 and a half months apart. So sleep was not something that happens often for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just got, you know, I, for the most part I can function on six hours, but that was getting cut back to four and yeah, it, it got, uh, it got real dicey around here at times. <laughs> Thank right. God for coffee. We're going right. to cut back to Nate and he's going to be asleep in his chair. <laughs> Trained himself to sleep with his eyes. <laughs> but you can, I can see a difference with the students I work with when they do work on their sleep hygiene, how much their symptoms improve and how much their performance at school tends to improve because Mm. I was a professional university student for a long time (laughs) (laughs) and university students typically don't have the best sleep hygiene because we're doing all nighters all the time. Mm -hmm. So fueled on caffeine and hope. Yep. And caffeine and hope. (laughs) Yeah. 
And you could feel it the next morning when you just did an all-nighter to finish a paper. And the next day, it was a complete write-off. Mm-hmm. Were it be in anything I could do physically, but also in terms anything what that was mental. Uh, it was a lot easier for me to feel anxious or feel sad or feel these more severe emotions because those barriers were lessened. I, I remember pulling all-nighters in college and the next day there was always that like surge of stress hormones to try and get you through the last push, you know, when you would turn in the paper or whatever you were doing. And I remember being like, this is great. I feel great. I don't need to sleep ever. And then you like go to sleep and wake up 15 hours later covered in someone else's drool, like not remembering where you were, right? Like your body, so your body will take drool? it back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a dog. So we're not quite sure. <laughs> but it's something, like I mentioned, I, I see with my, my university students where when we start putting a plan in place of try to get at least six to eight hours of sleep or really try to get eight, try to start drinking more water. Coffee does not count. Coffee does the, <laughs> the exact opposite of uh, to hydrate you. Try to get at least a couple square meals a day and to actually spend time with friends, to, to get off the computer and actually spend time with people face-to-face. Because, yes, you can interact with people through either chat or through mm-hmm. um, interactions online, but it's not the same thing as face-to-face physical interactions while you're on your way to seeing them getting some vitamin d from the sun Mm -hmm. because vitamin d deficiency is a huge cause of fatigue and uh, no one feels good when they're fatigued so getting some sunlight while you go visit your real life friends Mm -hmm. some people might actually have you know some anxiety from going out and seeing people eye to eye but you know what it's so good for you i mean just I don't, can you even weigh the importance of uh, just social interaction and support? I mean, it's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no replacing it, really. I mean, you can. There are kind of supplements with how much technology has influenced society today where, mm-hmm. like, look at us right now. We're chatting on Zoom. We're streaming right. to people on Twitch. I mean... This this is social interaction, but it's different when you are face to face with somebody. You you have that. There's like a connection that you can feel. Like it's almost like your body relief. reacts differently. Yes, yes, and it's so healthy for you. Can't stress that enough. Like you mentioned, uh, Doc, that the body knows, and when it's mm-hmm. in front of someone, it has a different response. It feels different. And humans are social creatures. We need social interaction. Yeah. And so, for some people, you know, it, I feel like some people are being, are stressed out from this conversation because they're like, what, how often do I have to see other people? Right. Like right. I am a, I am a <clears throat> extroverted introvert. So I, I enjoy being around people. I enjoy talking to people, but then I need, you know, a solid X amount of hours by myself, not talking to anyone. But so going out and 
spending time with others is, is so natural and you need it, but it's okay. It's okay if you want to take some time off between then. Say, I'm just going to tell this to myself and play it back when I don't want to go out again on a Saturday <laughs> right? night and my friends are pressuring me. Uh, one of my supervisors uh, had mentioned an analogy of the bucket. Know what your bucket. bucket is. Know what you need to do to fill the bucket. And as soon as it's filled, then you've kind of reached that quota for the day. So mm-hmm. if it's an hour of social interaction that fills your bucket, then you're good. <laughs> but as long as you're working on filling those multiple buckets a day. Before we move on, uh, we, we do have to move on. Uh, this mm-hmm. is such a great topic, but I do want to ask, what are some symptoms for people to look out for for anxiety and depression? <clears throat> I think a, a good word, a good medical word we can all learn is anhedonia. A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A. I'm sure all of you know it, um, but for people at home, anhedonia. When you are losing mm-hmm. interest in the things that you normally really, really, really love. So say <clears throat> you look forward to the Sunday morning paper because the cartoons are funny and Sunday morning. Yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. And Sunday morning rolls around and that paper isn't interesting to you anymore. And you know what, what's the point of, if, of getting out of bed, if that paper's not interesting, maybe sleep a little bit more. So sleep disturbances are, Another common uh, side effect of uh, early depression or anxiety. Uh, So if you're sleeping too much or too little, also changes in weight, um, changes in eating habits. So eating more, eating less uh, is also an early sign. But it just, you know, find the stuff you love and keep track of how much you love it. Because if you're loving it less, it might not be that the comics aren't as funny anymore because they are always funny. But it might be something that's going on in your brain, and that's okay. It's okay to talk about, you know, everyone has ups and downs. Everyone has changes in their neurochemistry, um, different fluctuating levels of hormones. So it's okay, but, you know, just pay attention to that kind of stuff. Right on. I love that. And I, I've heard you reference that, that word before, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is actually fantastic. I got a lot of good words in my brain. <laughs> you do, and I love how you get them out. Uh, the the your the content you create, your YouTube videos. I mean, they're not crazy long, but they're so impactful and so meaningful. You have such a clear and great message, and how you deliver it's fantastic. And I Thank love the little you. word pop ups too. <laughs> it's a nice touch. Got to keep everyone's attention span right here, right on me. <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> Well, well when I was teaching, you could just see that like, the students' eyes just glaze over. All right, transition, move yep. over to another yep. topic. <laughs> yep. Jump into the air. Billy's drooling now. Okay, we need to move on. <laughs> Nate's asleep. All right, time, yeah. to, time to move on topics. <laughs> well, actually, that's a great segue right there. Let's transition to another some, topic. Some gaming talk. Uh, uh, Nate, you want to bring us into it or you want me to carry it into it? Yeah, go ahead and carry that one from there. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you know, uh, we're all gamers. E3 is right around the corner. Uh, another year right now, the first thing that I had for notes is Sony is not going to E3 yet again. So E3 is starting to lose their heavy hitters. And it's not what it used to be five years ago, even four years ago, three years ago. 
I heard that there was a couple of companies that pulled out as well mm-hmm. for this year. I think was it Activision one of them? I think or Activision. EA? Uh, I don't know if EA did. I'm pretty sure Activision did, and they were a huge supporter of it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seems like uh, the days of E3 are coming to an end, sadly. And the great thing is these companies and publishers are doing their own thing. So you have like uh, Sony does their big their big expo once a year. Xbox does theirs. And you're starting to see other shows, but other opportunities pop up you know, across, you know, the country and across the globe, they do uh, a lot of big conventions and um, things in the UK and it's fantastic. And I think Nintendo really hit it on them on the head with their Nintendo directs. Right. And it's, and, and again, we just, you know, when E3 was really, really popular and successful, we didn't have all of these mediums. We didn't have, um, the multitude of Twitch streamers you could basically give a demo copy of and say, just play this for your audience. Like that mm-hmm. kind of reach just didn't exist. So E3 made sense. And correct me if I'm wrong, but E3 seems to be getting a lot more um, choosy about who they have come to their event. Oh, that I wouldn't know. What I had heard is they're jacking up prices. Yeah. Well, now that it's open to have to the public, I mean, right. Oh yeah, it's out. Because it's millions of dollars to get a booth. That's crazy. Well, for those multinational corporations, it's kind of pennies. But why pay millions of dollars to get a booth while they can pay a fraction and have their own event? Right, and have them be the the showcase exactly the stage. They can have the whole thing to themselves. Yeah. Yep, they they are the center of attention, and they're getting their their exclusives across and everything. And uh, yeah, but also it leaves more opportunity for other conventions to grow too, like mm-hmm. PAX. PAX yeah, conventions PAX. are getting massive. GDC. Mm-hmm. What started out as Guardian Con has now grew into the Gaming Community Expo. I yep. mean, it's. So much opportunity out there. It's so great seeing community-driven conventions. I'm so happy for for them. Talking about you know publishers and all these you know Sony and Xbox, there has been a ton of delayed games announced recently. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 was just announced, delayed, pushed all the way to the end of the year. As much as I want to play that game, I'm okay with them delaying. And you know, I what? have faith in CD Projekt Red. That seems to be the sentiment of everybody I've talked to about this because I brought it up casually at work with uh, some customers that I knew were gamers and other people. I think I brought talked to you about it too. Um, people seem to not be too hostile anymore about uh, studios delaying the release of games. They seem to be very understanding and accepting that, you know what? Take your time, make it a better game. I kind of wish they would have done that to Fallout 76. Ooh, I heard about that. <laughs> right? I heard about it. Uh, I, th- I think oh, we're all just a... so hurt by the past that we're it like, hurts. okay, it's fine. Take it whatever hurts. time you want. Just don't disappoint us again. Well, I think we've yeah. been burned so much with rushed and uh, rushed games or them not polishing games or making decisions that were in, in the gamers not 
their best interests. One thing I can think of that is not necessarily gaming related, but with Sega and I don't know who's releasing the movie with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> the backlash from that trailer and then just saying brutal. we're pulling the movie, we're doing the CG all over again. Yeah. Here's the new and improved. I want to go see that movie now. That was a right. move on their part. They knew that they were not going to get the audience with that backlash and it would have just tanked completely. I already know the movie's not going to be that great. Paramount <laughs> Pic- <laughs> Paramount Pictures. But I'm There's still kind of optimistic and I'm going to support the fact that they actually listened and saying, well, right. Yeah, that's a great example. I, 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 I think a, a big thing that's 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 helping is all of the awareness that has been brought for uh, crunch and just overworking the studio, you know, the studios that the consumer now kind of has a sympathy, you know, has a little sympathy and says, you know what, you're right. You guys take the time you need and don't effectively abuse your employees for, mm-hmm. for the sake of a bottom line. So, and that's, well, uh, Jason Schreier's articles are so yes. good on that. And he was talking about the crunch. Where was it? Was it EA Bioware for uh, Anthem? People just going into boardrooms and crying, just finding corners of the, the offices to cry because they were so overworked and tired. Well, yeah. I mean, you even, you even got to a point where you were talking about developers that were considering unionizing. Yeah. And that might not right. be a bad thing. Right. There's good and bad to everything. I mean, if you're not aware of unions. <laughs> Great Google unions. Yeah. <laughs> you'll get, you'll get a lot of information, you know, both good and bad on them. I, yeah. Personally, I'm a union man at my, my current job, but um, that, that it is what it is. It's a closed shop. I don't have a choice in that matter. My yeah. mother was the union rep uh, when I was growing up, so I got to go to the meetings and got behind-the-scenes look. <laughs> but unions do a lot of good for a True. lot of good for a lot of people. Some unions yeah. do bad, but unions do good. They protect <laughs> the interests of the employees. Now, with that being said, are there any known gaming studios that are union? I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't I've even know what they fall under. It would be their own. They'd have to. That'd be uncharted territory. I mean, they yeah. would have to do their own. But it's definitely a, a very unique, you know, perspective on it. But Nate's absolutely right, and so's uh, Doc. Uh, up until recently, in the last you know several years, um, the public have been more. They've gotten their eyes opened more and are more um, understanding of what crunch is and what it entails it's not just you know crunch we got to get this out there no this is very not healthy for you like this is a hundred plus hours a week uh living in a gaming studio and staring at screens and working yourself to the bone in a very unhealthy way and there are some known publishers and large studios that literally bring in new young talent work them to the bone. And then when they're all burnt out and everything, they send them out and bring in the next herd. And it, it's terrible to see, but I'm mm-hmm. so glad that, you know, Kotaku and other um, editorials are bringing that 
awareness to what crunch is and how it affects people. I mean, it's, it's really great to start seeing, you know, the gamers awareness of what goes into everything. With the delays, a lot of the things that have happened in the past is publishers would just push developers to meet the target and either cut content for DLC purposes or ship an unfinished game. Now with the internet and the ability to patch, it's, oh, we'll just patch it later. Back patch in the it day one. Days, <laughs> day one. Right? Yeah, most games have a day one patch. But back in the, the Elden days where you could <laughs> you had the cartridges, you shipped the game and that was it. Right. It had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I think or part of this millions of your cartridges end up in a landfill. Yay, ET. Yep. Yeah, I think part of this is also the rise in online gaming versus the old single player games where you got the disc, you played it for X amount of hours, and that was it. That was the end of the game. You wouldn't expect something like The Witcher to come out and then be like, yeah, we didn't finish it, so we're going to release this little bit at the end to finish the game. You know, you, you, you get a game like that, you expect to be able to play through the story and be done with it versus the online community is, you know, you're always expecting, we need new stuff, we need more stuff. Well, a good example of that. Um, I, I started replaying the uh, the original Mass Effect series because I oh, finally got a gaming how PC. classic of you. My heart. <laughs> and <laughs> I hadn't played Mass Effect in a long time and it came on sale on Steam for like eight bucks. I was like, well, sure, I'll play Mass Effect. And I remember playing uh, Andromeda. Okay, it was not my original Mass Effect, but it was okay. And then saying, oh, they're going to bring the Quarians in in DLC. That's going to be interesting. And it never came out. Mm. Just EA just shut down everything to do with Mass Effect. Oh my god. And I was so disappointed. Because it was planned DLC that they just cut entirely that I'm sure was partially ready to be released. Well, look at uh, big publishers like Blizzard. I mean, uh, there's been uh, interviews done with developers and uh, artists on in the studio that have worked 500 hours on creating a brand new IP that literally just after three years of developing just gets balled up and thrown away like there's games that are created developed mm-hmm. and thrown out star wars 1313 comes to mind there's another example right there but it right. happens but you know uh just uh moving on to uh youtube lately in the past year we've seen mixer and the streaming community uh platform really blow up yeah, there's a fighting over content. Mixer now. Exactly. The, they're fighting over content creators. Mixer is starting to be get the ball rolling. They're getting some really good traction now. People are enjoying <laughs> Nate with the switch hat. You know what? I love that hat. You know why? Because I have that hat right here, and it's silly how comfortable it is. Uh, it's really good material. Um, but 
Mixer's doing good. YouTube is coming to fight now too. Uh, YouTube has been signing exclusive streaming deals for Activision Esports and Call of Duty and Overwatch. So instead of being streamed, Overwatch League being streamed on Twitch, it's going to be streamed on YouTube now. So YouTube oh. Gaming's live streaming is starting to come out swinging as well. But if you look at the st- statistics, YouTube is by far larger than Twitch and every other streaming platform in the world. They are. Well, YouTube is huge. massive. They've also been around for a lot longer. True. I mean, it's like Netflix. I mean, it's been out there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but I, mean, still- I mean, you, you even get pod- podcasts like ours or people yeah. stream and what do they do when they're done with it? They ball it up, they post it over on YouTube. Boom. Yep. There it is. Yeah. And maybe we'll start streaming on YouTube. We, it would cut the corner. We don't have to export it from here to there. Right. Never know. YouTube. Never know. We're taking deals. We'll, we'll talk multi-streaming. That, that, that'll that be a discussion we'll have offline. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I remember when the Overwatch League came out. That was a really big announcement for Activision Blizzard. And I don't know how healthy it is currently. Because I, I know I, I watched it's... a bit of the first season, but I've kind of fallen off Overwatch in the tail end of it. I don't know if you have more information on that, uh, Doc. That's I, I was literally, when I saw this news about YouTube gaming for uh, Activision Blizzard, I was really happy for the big moves that they're making, really happy for Hearthstone, for COD, but for Overwatch, it just felt like the nail in the coffin to me. Really? Mm. Viewership has been, you know, because whenever you move from the traditional league play to franchise league play, it's it's a risk, right? Your investors are putting $25 million into a team up front. And what a lot of people in the esport industry don't realize is that that's not a return of investment you're going to get immediately it's an investment you know even Mm. traditional athletic teams aren't making money so these investors have put so much money into this overwatch league and it's it's not making a lot of money right now and so everyone's kind of panicking uh so if you not league of legends (sighs) no no no, uh overwatch yeah yeah yeah. but they're not making they're not returning like oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. all right yeah i get you so uh you know people are panicking about the overwatch league right now and I hope this doesn't hurt their numbers more because, you know, brand loyalty is real. A lot of people are like Twitch or die, you know? So are they going to go over to Overwatch League? Are they even going to see it on their homepage when they're on Twitch? I don't know. We'll see what happens this year. Well, see, that's one one thing I find interesting about this is, like, you see Twitch and Mixer have been actually going for the talent. YouTube is going for the event. So you're almost by 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 grabbing the event and not the specific talent. You're getting talent every time you host one of these events, and you're kind of gambling on the game. So when you have something like Overwatch League, where it just you're gonna you're gonna operate in a loss, but you get something like you know a known commodity like Call of Duty. Call of Duty ain't going anywhere. Oh no! God's and you just staying you've got a, right, and you've got a churn of fresh young talent, and you hold the event. You're the WrestleMania. The rest so it's of inter- right, but it's so it's an interest. It's an interest, interesting tact to take instead of, like I said, instead of going for the talent. Yeah, sure. and that's a big fundamental difference between the Call of Duty League and the Overwatch League. Call of Duty, 
competitive Call of Duty has been around for years and 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 years. We know people want to watch it. We know it's going to work. Overwatch was a relatively new game when they said, hey, now we have a league. You know, people had been playing it competitively, but it hasn't been around for as long as as Call of Duty. And when we see now that a lot of people aren't playing Overwatch anymore and the viewer, the the player numbers are slipping, then you see the decline in and viewer numbers as well, but Call of Duty is going to be around until we're all gone. But Overwatch has been around for what the game's three years old at at this point, or more. Four, but I think you're right there. But I they've been teasing. But with COD, they have a new one every year. Well, yeah. Blizzard got spoiled by StarCraft. Ooh, StarCraft the original. Come on, come on. I still miss the original Warcraft. Yeah, those that was StarCraft still has tournaments that are almost to the level of Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. So so you got Blizzard like, well, okay, we know how to make this work, and they tried with Overwatch League, and yeah. Well, an FPS, there needs to be meta shifts. If not, the game gets stale. Right. With Call of Duty, as much as people are annoyed with the yearly iterations of Call of Duty, what happens, it's always a shift. There's always Mm -hmm. the, oh, we need to relearn the game, relearn the new mechanics, or what weapon we need to use and for. (laughs) Yeah, and and then you can can see where that's overdone, and and, uh, GamerDoc here probably can attest to this being a Fortnite player. They (laughs) are changing so much, so often, it is... I I hear it's getting aggravating for a lot of the the regulars. Yeah, but it's funny because people have been complaining about that, the meta shifts before tournaments or editions of OP items right before a major event. But now they they postponed the next season for a month, and everyone's freaking out. They're like, yeah. "We need something new." That's right. They did do that, didn't they? Because mm-hmm. the seasons in Fortnite are what three months, two months, ten, uh, uh, somewhere between like twelve and fourteen weeks usually. So yeah, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in terms of challenges, weekly challenges. <laughs> but it's something that a lot of live service games are looking at now. And our game that we like to play is Destiny has moved to rather than an expansion based game to a season based game where it'll sprinkle out content throughout the season to kind of keep player engagement. I know they, they don't have the manpower that Fortnite has but a lot of people like to have that live service environment where there there's always something new it also creates an environment where like in Fortnite there are certain things that you could completely miss out on if you're not present when that event happens you know you had the whisper for instance when that mission came out if you weren't present there you didn't get to experience it there's been a bunch of things that I know I personally have missed out on in the game. I'm okay with it, but there's a lot of people that are upset about it and it kind of kills their whole motivation to even play the game. I know in Fortnite they have I know they had one for Avengers Endgame, they had one I think they had a Batman themed one, John Wick. Uh, 
They had a concert. Wick. Marshmallow the concert. concert. Yeah, the marshmallow oh, concert. That's right. That was my favorite event. Was it cool? It was cool because it was like a Saturday afternoon and like no one was home in my house. And none of my buddies were on. So I was like going on to Fortnite and I was like, what am I going to do? And then I saw the concert and then they just did a good job with the graphics. And it was a, it was a fun experience. And so it was one of my that's favorite cool. events. It's surprising to see that Fortnite still is in beta. Hmm? Yeah. It says early I'm access every time you beta. log in. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, well, that that's politic. That 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 actually gets them around forever in beta, so they yeah, can release patch notes without being yeah. without having to certify it with the uh, with the with console manufacturers. So that's I will, all that's about. I'll admit one thing: I've played Fortnite a few times. I have never won one match. I am that average Joe player that lo- goes in gather stuff for 15 minutes and as soon as somebody crosses Sniped their path you, you i get, get 15 sh- minutes i'm done and i'm back to the menu jumping back yeah i'm pretty good at hiding like <laughs> i got really good at dodging people and like see okay where's the ring okay and i'm on the edge and i always play in a team and i make them walk first mm-hmm. you can ask dr goku i always make yeah. him go first when we're playing you know it doesn't matter what's <laughs> happening Go ahead, man. I'm right behind you. To the slaughter. That's right. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll tell your story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think Fortnite captured an audience that a lot of other battle royales haven't. Mm-hmm. Anyone remember Battlefield Five Firestorm? No nope. one at all. I remember it. Uh, I only played like a couple matches of it, but that was like that was like the start. Well, it was PUBG. okay, but it it was kind of dead on arrival. Apex is the only one that I can really think that's kind of making some competition. They just yeah. because the gunplay is so good. They had a, a crazy little thing happen recently. They announced a new character, and uh, it was some guy with like a cybernetic arm who was going to be like up close melee, like MMA fighter. And people, the diehard players, were pretty upset because they the studio was kind of hinting at this one darker character showing up and they didn't get him. But then all of a sudden during the trailer, the one that they were hoping for ended up killing the new one (laughs) and came through. So they used the MMA fighter as like a dummy, like, Oh, you know, you thought you were getting him, but you know they were just setting the story up. So I was pretty unique. That's I'm really great. liking what they're doing. Like I'm gonna write that down so I can look it up later. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I was talking to somebody about it uh, two days ago, and uh, it was neat. But Alan, do you want to bring us into the next little bit? Sure, I can do that. So Netflix has this sh- um, adaptation of the video game The Witcher, which is getting a lot of popularity and a lot of people have, uh, I personally have watched a few episodes of it. There's been a lot of, I've heard a lot of controversy around it as far as the people that have played the video games don't seem to like the show as much as people that don't. And that's because I guess it does a lot of timeline jumping, which I didn't know about in the beginning because I haven't touched any of the Witcher games. It's mainly based on the book rather than the game. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know exist that there were books. Wow. Well, so that's something were, I learned recently. They're written in Polish first, but they're no great. Kidding. Funny thing about this 
is CD Projekt Red, Red bought the rights for the books mm-hmm. like super cheap, and The Witcher was a massive hit as a video game, and they got sued by the author, and CD Projekt Red actually won. <laughs> True story. Why yeah. did they get wow. sued? Because they wanted more money. Wow. <laughs> it was Oops. like the guy who sold the Nike swoosh for 35 bucks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, God. Like that. Yeah. But no, uh, it is based uh, more on the book. And the cool thing about the show, uh, the adaptation takes a f- few parts kind of scattered here and there. But it tells pretty much the prequel to the books. Mm-hmm. Like it, there are things that happen in the first book that you never really know about. Like it's just like the battle on the hill, this and that, and it's like you don't really know these people. So they did a really great job with their time jumping to explain who who they these characters are. But the main but Henry thing, Cavill as oh Geralt God. is an amazing choice. Because he's a massive Witcher fan. And when he heard Netflix was making a show, he threw his name in and said, I got to get that that part. And you could see it in his portrayal. I only watched the first episode, but I've kind of heard a lot of people talking about it. He has the uh, Geralt grunt down to a T. (laughs) That... Mm -hmm. mm, He's got this deep, raspy voice, and he does it so well. I'm not going to try and do that. <laughs> you did the get off my lawn yeah, you know, yeah, part. Yeah. You know. No, that was... Um, but it was yeah. weird to see Superman yeah. play Geralt of Riviera. I, I honestly didn't even remember that he had played Superman until I saw an article <laughs> about that. I went, oh, hell, that's the same guy. It is. And the funny thing about that, he uh, there was a uh, behind the scenes, the costume designer who worked on The Witcher actually came out and said that they had to do seven different costume wardrobe changes on him because he's such a large frame person. He kept Mm -hmm. wearing the leather out of his costume. So he kept wearing through it so fast through shooting that they had to just make more so he had to get changing his costume he was just such a big person i also have that problem yeah right (laughs) my hockey pads don't fit like they used to (laughs) no but i i think it it gives high hopes for video game adaptations onto tv and you know streaming services i think they did such a good job with this adaptation that I'm not going to say Hollywood, but cinema is heading in the right direction now where they're starting to like take their time with things like Mortal Kombat. There's a Mortal Kombat reboot coming next year. God, I hope and oh, they've been working on it for like three years. They have the majority of the cast. They're not releasing anything, but the director said they will not make it unless it's done right. And if you've watched the recent Mortal Kombat games, it's like its own movie. Yeah. You can go on YouTube and people have cut together the scenes and everything. And it's like a six hour long movie. I, I, and I know it's like a Bife video. No, I'm kidding. I um, love the real Mortal, the OG Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, the, so. the original one. My favorite. 
favorite so good. bad movies. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, what was the guy's name? The actor who did Raiden. I'm Lambert. gonna watch the first that. one uh, or second Lambert. one. Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Christopher Lambert. Lambert. Or Chris Lambert. You're right. Yeah. Highlander. Oh my gosh. Highlander. <laughs> you know what? He got a point. Back in the day, and I still have like the old like uh, Nintendo like Power Mag or whatever it used to be before Game Informer mm-hmm. that did like the interview for the Mortal Kombat movie, and uh, the original one was so cool because. When they built the set, a little did you know was uh, they actually took a rundown city block and made it that the under other world or what outer world outer that world. pilots were flying in to land at LAX and were calling into the radio tower thinking that they like went somewhere else because they were flying over this area and they're like it was causing some confusion. But no, uh, no, I think it gives high hopes for. For more adaptations down the down the line, I think we're finally past that Super Mario Brothers like niche. You, know? <laughs> you knew that was coming. Uh-huh. Double Dragon oh, yeah. was, was adapted. Double Dragon was that okay. was really. But I think, no, I think story based <laughs> video games make for better TV shows than movies. Mm-hmm. Movie has that. Ep- movies have that epic scope of what it can do but tv shows has the ability of more character development right i was talking earlier about the uh tv show that is going on in quebec right now the uh, the epidemic uh, show and we've always kind of seen those movies based on an epidemic and what happens and it's so fast-paced this show being a TV show kind of delves and works through the suspense and builds the characters. So you're that much more invested because you can do a lot more with nine or 13 hours of cinema than two hours. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think whittling down a witcher is what, like a 60 to 100 hour game depending on how many side quests you do to two hours is doing it a disservice Mm. absolutely it'd be like taking skyrim and making an hour and a half movie out of it you just couldn't do it don't you even speak those words (laughs) (laughs) well it's like the i haven't watched it but the the uh, warcraft movie i don't know if it was any good or not it was terrible Okay. It was real bad. That's all I I've st- heard from it is it's terrible. I, I watched still, all of it. I still love it because it's in that world. You know what I mean? Who was the main guy in that? Oh my god. <sighs> I don't even know. It, was it the guy from Vikings? <laughs> Hold on, I gotta look Yes, this up. yes, it was, was the, the the lead actor from Vikings. Um who's such a good actor. Such yeah. a good actor. And even uh the guy who played the wizard in it was a great actor. He's been in so many. I, yeah. Uh, they had a great cast for it. They had mm-hmm. a great cast and they, they really did a great job with the CGI and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just the direction they went with that story was just not working at all. One thing, a, a game movie that's been in development. Hell is uncharted. 
Yeah. It's lost, what, its sixth or seventh director? True, but Tim Holland is still signed up to play Nathan Drake, even though Nathan Fillion did make that YouTube short movie. Oh, that YouTube video was so good. And should have sold it right there, but it didn't. Did everyone watch that YouTube video that Nathan (laughs) Fillion did? Mm-mm. Oh, but Nathan Fillion should be Nathan Drake. I mean, it just fits. Yeah, it was so name. good. It was so, very good. so good. It was good. And but. it got my hopes up so much for yeah. a Uncharted movie and what it could do <clears throat> that I'm just sad that they're not considering him for the part because he, he was perfect. I would have been happy with a YouTube series. Oh, yeah, that would be oh, amazing. Oh, my God, an Uncharted series would be... It would have been great. I mean, even on, on YouTube, that would have been fantastic. I yeah, mean, YouTube originals. You don't need a huge budget. They proved that with so many things that you don't need a huge bu- budget to make it believable or entertaining. I mean, Cobra Kai. shoot. <coughs> but a, we could A game I feel here. would make a really good... Uh, not necessarily just a movie, but a TV show or a streaming show would be The Last of Us. Ooh. I don't that know if you'd like, watch that. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be some Darko stuff. Right? Yeah. I, I might have to skip the first episode of that TV series. Skip the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that first section just hit you right in the feels. Oh, my God. That Even would, that got delayed too. The second yeah. uh, game of it. I'm, last I'm okay with Last of Us Two being delayed. Yeah. Naughty Dog has my faith. They haven't kind of steered me wrong in a long time. How about we move on to our character analysis? We're starting to run a little late, but I want to keep us on track because I know we can just nerd out all night. I know we can, but oh, I we all we have can. stuff. We're still in the middle of the work week. You know? So GamerDot mentioned Mercy uh, from the Overwatch series, and I know you mentioned uh, having a talk on Mercy a little while ago. So before we kind of delve into that, I just kind of mm-hmm. wanted to go through her, her history. So um, one of the initial playable characters in the 2016 Smash had Overwatch, developed by Blizzard Entertainment, Mercy is voiced by Lucy Pohl, who is a rather unknown German actor or actress. Um, While Mercy is her call sign, her real name is Dr. Angela Ziegler. Of Swiss origin, uh, the 37-year-old serves as the Overwatch team's healer and chief scientist. As a child, Ziegler's parents uh, would have perished during the Omnic Crisis. After their passing, Mercy developed a close relationship with the Lindholms. As a teen, Mercy, uh, Mercy's medical prowess made her a prodigy. Her close relationship with the Lindholms also made her uh, close with other uh, Overwatch members. An MD and a PhD Mercy rose to the rank of head of surgery in a Swiss hospital and pioneered an applied nanobiology breakthrough which helped countless lives. She was approached by Jack Morrison, who is Soldier 76, to become the head of Overwatch's medical research. After much hesitation, 
she eventually agreed to join the team, which greatly helped accelerate her research and the development of her Valkyrie Swift response suit to help with healing uh, in the front lines. While it is unknown as to when, Mercy also helped save Genji's life. Uh, and with the help of Overwatch, his body was modified with a series of cybernetic enhancements. The pair are hypothesized to be possibly romantically involved. Following Overwatch's dissolution, Dr. Ziegler also began to grow weary of the military methods that led to her uh, to her dedicating herself to helping people affected by war. She tried to distance herself from the previous life and forge a new path for herself. However, over, um, over her past always seems to find her again. Certainly when Jack Morrison and Anna Amaro crashed in her apartment in a wounded condition. Mercy was rather uh, irritated with Anna's a biotic rifle, which was an unsanctioned adaptation of her technology. Still undecided on whether to join Winston's call, this would be changed after Mercy saved two young children during the a talent and healings firefight. Hearing that both of the children's parents were killed in the attack, much like her own, they seemed to this seemed re, to reawaken her sense of heroism and made her decision to rejoin Overwatch. While we don't really know much about the character uh, in Overwatch due to the nature and style of the game, what we know about her history can lead us to believe that in some way or shape or form, she suffers from symptoms of post-traumatic stress. While the loss of her parents and countless battles, Mercy has seen her fair share of destruction, death, and horror. While this hasn't really shaken her resolve to help other people, she has grown weary with the means as to which she helps. She also used her trauma of loss and war to motivate her using this as growth in finding new ways and abilities of how to help individuals in need, always striving to save others with a gift she has. So Doc, what is your interpretation of Mercy? Uh, I think, I, you know, I learned a lot about Mercy right there that I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I think it's interesting that you brought up the fact that she is affected by PTSD. Uh, care for the caregivers is a big thing uh, that I'm passionate about. Um, there's a lot of people who play a support role in life, whether it's taking care of a loved one or uh, being in the healthcare industry, uh, taking care of other people all day is, is exhausting. And then when you have a, you know, a illness underlying all of that, a disorder underlying all of that, I can only imagine how much more difficult it is. But, uh, you know, she. When I was playing Overwatch, the meta was she, you needed a Mercy in your in your group because she was the best. She was the best healer. Um, but you know, I, it's 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 so sad. It's so uh, sappy. But like, who heals the healers? Um, mm -hmm. So I've always felt really really drawn to Mercy as a character. Uh, you know, she's a doctor. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm not as cool as the PhDs, though. I don't know as many big words. <laughs> but what you touched on is so important <clears throat> that the healers were be in mental health, were be in physical health. Most of them always kind of go under the radar of they're infallible. They all they're always in perfect health. We're not. <laughs> that we don't need to seek help or we should just know better. I've known so many people that are, whether it be medical professionals or uh, mental health professionals that don't seek help, either that they don't have time or they don't want to have that perception. It's like a double stigma. Double-ended stigma. The double-edged stigma. Um, I think that it's it is a big thing because, like, it kind of the same as that when we touched on with esports athletes uh, is the same thing in the culture. Uh, but you know, because other physicians are one of the most unhealthy people I know. Uh, it's it's hard getting through medical school is is a really hard time, and we pick up bad habits. <clears throat> uh, I know a physician that's like 350 pounds and smokes like two packs a day. <sighs> yeah, it's rough. I mean, I think it's because it's a very stressful period of life. And, you know, the, the best way to get through stress is by sleeping and eating right and exercising. But mm-hmm. that's not what you think about at that time period. You think mm-hmm. about the quick that's fixes. The quick fix. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I mean, healthcare providers definitely uh, feel uncomfortable and for whatever reason, making the right choices. Mm -hmm. An example I can give is football coaches. Hmm. They know the games in and out. They should be able to kind of work with the athletes, but they're not in the best of shapes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not true for all of them, but for a lot of them, they're not. <laughs> it's like you knew my high school football coach. <laughs> and a, a lot of either mental health professionals or med- medical professionals are like coaches. They're not necessarily going to fix what's going on. They're going to help you reach to that point, but they're not doing that for themselves. Yeah, that's true. My my wife's a nurse and... She's one of the most stubborn people I, I've ever met that will never ask for help. <laughs> I think we had this conversation on Sunday with uh, the other mental health podcasts for that uh, MH Avengers episode two is the increasing number of burnout of mental health professionals and, you know, medical professionals. They're not getting the help. They're helping others, but they can't take a minute to help themselves. I mean, it's hard. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of medical professionals work long hours more than they should and have a hard time taking breaks mm-hmm. or chastised for taking breaks. I know of a, of a physician that I know, I don't know how it is in the US, but I know in Canada, the, the shift work is rather bad at times always being on call and he takes i think it's three or four weeks 
off in a row every year to just rent a pontoon somewhere down south and just go boating for like three weeks. That's amazing. That's uh, sounds like a great way to recharge. But he's also working like ninety to hundred hour weeks. Yeah. Ooh. I remember a story I heard from my grandmother about because she was a nurse as well about her picking up smoking as a way to get breaks because anybody who smoked was able to go outside and have a ten minute break to have a cigarette. Mm. Uh, goes back to what you were saying. It might not be the healthiest of habits, but it gave them a quick little mental break from everything that was going on. Now, one person that I I used to go to school with, um, he he went into uh, medicine and in, into cardiology. He mentioned during his res- residency, I think he was doing 26-hour or 32-hour rotations. Yeah, sounds Just, about normal. <laughs> yeah, he was staying at the hospital for 32 hours in a row. Mm-hmm. Kind of sleeping a couple hours here and there. Yeah, when I was doing my intern year, I was pulling 85, 90 hours work weeks. Uh, the ICU nights were the worst. I would do six nights, uh, six 14-hour shift nights in a row, and then one night off, and then six nights in a row, and one night off. One time I got so sick from food poisoning that uh, I taped an IV bag, put an IV in, taped an IV bag to the inside of my white coat, and then went and finished rounding. Wow. My gosh. Not That's fun. hardcore. <laughs> that is hardcore. I actually saw a, uh, I don't know if you guys know what CBC Marketplace is. Mm-hmm. So CBC is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation here in Canada. And Marketplace is kind of their their research uh, a show where they kind of do deep dives into things. And one thing they did a deep dive in is how sleep deprivation and long shifts impact interns and residents uh, in the medical professions. And they tested out how their reaction times and their cognitive processes were after I think it was like 24 hours or so or 26 hours. It was a really steep decline where there's a much greater risk of making medical errors. Mm-hmm. We actually have these things. Um, one of the early duty hours, so you're supposed to be limited to 80 hours a week and your medical training. Uh, and that's because of these things called the Libby Zion laws. This um, girl came in, she was on uh, antidepressant and <clears throat> came in and had, I forgot exactly what happened to her, but had some sort of reaction uh, and one of the interns and residents taking care of her in the emergency room gave her a painkiller to, to calm her down. Uh, they gave her tramadol and tramadol has serotonin effects just like most antidepressant medications do. Uh, but they, you know, which is most of us who work with any sort of drugs like that know that reaction. Well, she had a fatal serotonin reaction because of this uh, mistake. And her father happened to be a prominent New York Times reporter. So uh, because of that case, she unfortunately passed. But because of that case, they found that one of the reasons the mistake was made is because the intern had been up for over 40 hours. And so they have limited uh, the amount of hours we're allowed to work because, you know, 
bad things happen when you stay up for 40 hours. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. That's a lot of people day. think, oh, doctors leave, uh, live these glamorous lives. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no. They, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting there one day, but I'm not done working this hard. Yeah, they, you tend to pay your dues, mm-hmm. but it's different than other professions where you're dealing with people's lives on a daily basis. And we just know how important sleep hygiene can be. <clears throat> yeah. so you're telling these patients, well, make sure they get the good amount of sleep while you've been up for like 36 hours. Mm-hmm. I'm sure understaffing has something to do with that as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of issues about it that I could talk for days about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps us up for the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's everything. Um, Gamer Doc, thank you so much for coming on with us. It's been such a blast having you on. I've really enjoyed. I, I'm speak. I'm not speaking for everybody, but I'm sure everybody shares the, the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing having you on. And it's been yeah, great. Yeah, Joe, I could honestly listen to your voice. You, you got that perfect podcast voice. Stop! I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Just blushing behind the beard. Yeah, behind I'm gonna the, get dimples. <laughs> No, thank you. No, it's been a lot of fun. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, we'd love to have you come back on in the yeah. future. If you would bless us again, you can make time on. in your busy schedule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been great. I, it's my pleasure to talk about these things. I could talk about them for days, especially with, uh, other people who, who share the same passions that I do. Right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and more of your content that you make? So uh, most of my brain happens on Twitter uh, at GamerDoc underscore. Don't forget the underscore. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you can find all the links from there. But Twitter's where it's at. If you want, if you want the unfiltered content, you want that unpasteurized milk. And um. <laughs> <laughs> we had that small interaction with the uh, when you were talking about sleep and kind of that being hit by a truck. After you take a nap. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. I, uh, I, w- I, most of what I, what I tweet about is related to some point of my life when I woke up from a nap and refused to get out of bed to go to hockey one night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look at, look that up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and thank you everybody for, uh, tuning in with us. Uh, you can find more of us, uh, Follow us on Twitter as well uh, for updates and all the know-hows and everything that we are doing and have upcoming, we announce on Twitter. And, you know, follow our Twitch at twitch.tv uh, backslash guardiansmh. You can also email us at support at guardiansmh.org. Uh, we will actually be hosting a booth at PAX East um, in February. Uh, come see us at PAX if you're at PAX. I'm going to come see you guys at PAX. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. It's a date. It's a date. And you know what? We we have some great things that we're bringing out there with us. Uh, We have some great resources that we're going to be handing out. We have some lanyards and pins that we had made and some really great things. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. With the production line that you made with your daughters. (laughs) 
it worked. Just so it you worked. Know. Yes, it did. Small hands. Perfect You're craftsman. Right. The, just so you know, the three-year-old took every individual pin out of the mini bag right. for the 11-year-old. And the 11-year-old pinned it on the backboard. And they, she handed it to me, and I put it in the final bag and put it in Nice. The Very nice. But just so you know, my brain melted at one point because somebody can't count. And it wasn't me. Probably the three-year-old. Well, <laughs> she can count. She can count to twenty right now. She can go up there. But no, there were, we were eleven bags short. There was twenty extra backboard cards, and there was twenty extra pins, or eleven extra pins. So the bag company got it right. The pin company was over, and whoever was running the line for the backboard cards really overshot <laughs> but so we have a little extra but it's gonna be great uh come and see us at booth nine in the uh diversity lounge that's up on the second floor well, uh, our next episode we'll drop it again uh f- you know keep posted on twitter and uh, we'll keep you posted on any updates on that mm-hmm. also uh join our discord that's pinned on our uh, top of our Twitter page, and there you can find a uh, great uh, support network, resources, and uh, these fine gentlemen right here will help direct you and you know give you any support and point you in the right direction. And you can interact with any of us there. And that's it. I will ramble all night long, but <laughs> so catch us on every major uh, podcast app. We're everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, oh, we're trying to be. <laughs> we're trying to be. iTunes is so mean right now. <laughs> no, but thank you everybody for joining us. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Good night.